0: I very much enjoy Accidental Tech Podcast. I can't oh, say I've listened you. to the other one because I'm not into cars.
1: but Oh, well, that's quite all right. You guys drive on the wrong side of the road anyway, so it'd probably be <laughs> all backwards. No, it's, it, it's been an interesting ride. I've known Marco for a long time and known John for a few years, and I've been thrust from random idiot on the internet to somewhat well-known random idiot on the internet. Yeah, how's that? That must be fun. It's it's interesting. WWDC was weird this year. It was really weird. Because, you know, in prior years, oftentimes I'd be hanging out with Marco. And sometimes, you know, he would drag me to, in a good way, drag me to, you know, a party or something like that, that maybe I wouldn't have earned entry to on my own. And, you know, I would always be, it would always be, oh, hey, Marco, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and, and, you know, this year it was not every time, but it was certainly a lot more of, oh, hey, you're Casey, I know you. And it's, it's awesome, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's very trippy, very weird. I was sitting in uh, an airport, I might have told this on ATP, but I was sitting in an airport in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and I was talking to uh, underscore David Smith, who we, we flew out there together, and all of a sudden somebody turns around and says, excuse me, I'm sorry, are, are you Casey? Yeah. Oh, I recognized your voice. I really like ATP. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so weird. Like, it, it, it was awesome. Don't get it wrong, but it was so freaking weird.
0: That must be really, really strange. It I actually is. had a, a similar. So I'm completely obscure in comparison, which is why this is an even stranger story. Uh, but I had a similar airport experience once, which completely freaked me out. Because I think I would had to get up at like some ridiculous time, like 5 a.m. for a really early flight. And I was lining up for my first coffee of the day. And um, the barista says to me. Are you an actor? Really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? And he's like, no no. Is your name Jake? I'm like, Yes. And it turns out I, I did I had a role in a short film when I was a student many, many years ago. Apparently this poor guy was a film student and had been forced <laughs> to edit the footage of me like a hundred thousand times as part of his study. So he'd you know seen me in my terrible, terrible, you know, one time acting saying these corny lines over and over again, and had remembered it.
1: That's not awkward at all.
0: No, it really, really freaked me out. And then uh, one of the corny lines in the film was, um, like, I played this really kind of nervous guy that wasn't sure whether or not this girl at the deli he was visiting liked him or not. And, um, you know, the guy had read too much into the fact that she said, uh, I hope you enjoy that. (laughs) <laughs> his gave him his meal. So at the end of this exchange at this coffee shop, this guy says to me, I hope you enjoy that. <laughs>
1: <just> like, oh. <laughs> that's so wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just kind of quietly slunk away. <laughs> oh,
2: so, so for those who uh, who haven't caught on yet, uh, this week we're talking to Casey Liss. Uh,
0: who Hang on, who, you're not going to put that little crazy story in the podcast, Yeah, I probably are you? am. <laughs> I
2: probably am. Oh, this burns uh, me every time. So... Casey Liss from uh, Accidental Tech Podcast, welcome. welcome to the mobile couch.
1: Well, thank you. To me, it's the mobile couch, but, but we, can, we can treat it as the mobile couch for today. It's okay. A, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny hearing the accents because yeah, it, it's little things like mobile versus mobile that are so wonky and, and different between our two great nations.
0: Indeed. Yeah, it, I, I also share that humor. In fact, I think there was an episode of ATP where you guys were discussing the pronunciation of a certain word. And uh, I kind of remember what it was. But I think were,
3: I know... Well, we, one word I know that is always different is we say cache. No, cache, and you guys say cache. Right,
0: right. Well,
3: yeah.
1: You know, yeah, I've never even heard... data? <laughs> yeah, a caching, caching data. data? <laughs> oh, wow, that's so weird.
0: <laughs> and then there's data and data. <laughs> oh, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We could, in fact, we could just have a whole podcast about yeah, the right way to say things. You
1: know, the heck with, with mobile, mobile development. Let's just talk about the uh, eccentricities of both languages. Because mm. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Anyway, I'm sorry, I keep derailing you guys. This is I'm I'm ruining your show single-handedly. That that's okay. We do a pretty good job of that anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, you were saying Jelly. So last week
2: last week, well it was last week for us, but it, last episode we were talking about uh a little bit about Android development thanks to Ben's somewhat small uh toe in the in the water of uh of of that. And uh On the last uh, accidental tech podcast, you got you were talking about your work with .NET programming and kind of a little bit of how you uh, bring that sort of mindset to to uh, iOS development as well. Um, So tell us about what the sort of things that you you actually do, uh, Casey.
1: So uh, during the day, I am a normal corporate stooge and I work for a local consulting firm, um, and we generally do uh, web development often but not always intranets um, for local businesses. And that is usually in uh, some flavor of Microsoft.net. Sometimes it'll be on top of a, a content management system. Sometimes it'll be totally custom. Sometimes it's uh, ASP.NET MVC, which is basically Microsoft's ripoff rip of Rails. Sometimes it's straight web forms, which is an ugly, ugly version of web development, which is what I'm used to. Uh, and it's all sorts of different things. And then in the evenings, I've been dabbling with iOS development for the last few years. And uh, and so I'm kind of a man of two different worlds. And any notoriety I may have as of late has come from being, I guess you could describe me as a pundit, but a podcaster um, for the Accidental Tech podcast. And that's mostly Apple-centric. So I've kind of got a foot in both worlds, which is a very trippy thing to do, especially as a developer. So does that does that answer your question at all? Hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah. And did, I mean, does does the... Does the crossover bring you any sort of uh, different outlooks in in the way that you approach the, the languages, do you think?
1: It certainly does. Uh, I've found that if I don't learn either a new um, platform or a new language every year or so, I feel like I'm not doing my job as a developer. And I say that because every tool you have in your toolbox, whether or not you're an expert with that tool, it changes how you perceive all the other tools. So, for example, in .NET, .NET is basically Microsoft's ripoff of Java, and so you'll find that method names or property names are often very short and succinct. Whereas, I think we all know that in Objective C, method names are approximately as long as Moby Dick. So, <laughs> so, so have uh, your, uh, have your um,
0: day job colleagues started to notice that your dot .net, net method names are getting ridiculously long? Yep,
1: you see exactly where this is going. And so, I haven't gotten ribbed by any of my colleagues yet, but I've noticed in myself that as time has gone on, what may have originally been I don't know get user may now be get user by name. And you know, in previously, I might have had get user with several overloads, one with get one which would effectively be getting a user by ID the other which would maybe be getting you user by uh, a username or something like that, and they would all have been called get user. Well, now, maybe not. Maybe I'll do get user by name, get user by ID, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a very, a very Objective-C, Coco kind of thing to do. And I've found that because I've learned Objective-C and seen how nice it is to have these descriptive method names, oftentimes that has infected or influenced, depending on how you'd like to look at it, the way I treat my code in .NET.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Like I've um, done a bit of a little bit of .NET development myself, um, but a fair bit of Java, um, and as well as sort of language features, something I've noticed as well is that there's kind of uh, different communities of practice build up around the languages. So you know, it, maybe it's a bit of a stereotype, but Java developers seem to quite like um, really clearly separating the different layers of a program and using factories and dependency injection and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you see uh, people sort of coming from that background, approaching Objective-C and looking for ways to use that sort of approach in Objective-C. Have you found similar things in .NET? I'm less familiar with the sort of community of practice around .NET. Are there particular kind of ways of approaching problems um, that have kind of just grown up in that environment that, uh, um, that you yeah. see people using in, in Objective-C now?
1: Yeah, sort of, kind of. Uh, I don't know if this is the most direct example, but uh, around, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, uh, .NET got anonymous functions or closures, basically. And mm-hmm. so I really took to that fairly quickly because I found being able to pass a block of code as a variable is an extremely powerful way of getting things done. And suddenly you can have a method that takes code as one of its parameters. And when I really, really embraced that, my mind kind of exploded in a good way. And I realized that a lot of problems I have can suddenly get a lot easier. And so what was really awesome was this all happened prior to blocks really being a thing in Objective-C. Mm. So then all of a sudden blocks and, and Objective-C's flavor of closures become a thing. And I felt like it clicked immediately because I've been doing this for a while. And yes, you know, I've been doing, I've been p- passing around um, function pointers in C++ many years ago, but it's, it's, that was very archaic by comparison. And so being used to this thing in .NET made it much easier for me to understand things in Objective-C. And another perhaps vague example of that. Is CocoaPods and um, NuGet and N U G E T slightly different approaches to the same problem, but basically they're both package managers. I don't know if you should say package, but uh, dependency managers. And so in NuGet you can say, oh, I'd like this Common .NET framework to be inserted into my project, into my solution in Microsoft Parlons, and then immediately, you know, just a moment later, it'll get downloaded and inserted. And when I used CocoaPods on my last project, uh, my last iPad project. It all kind of clicked immediately. I was, oh, this is just like Nugget, and 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 so those sorts of things are easy to translate. Then there's other things that aren't so easy. So you know, you win some, you lose some.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. What about you? Mentioned um, solutions there and Microsoft's sort of equivalent. Um, wh- how do you go moving between Visual Studio and Xcode? I'm assuming <laughs> you, you use Xcode on on the iOS side. Yes,
1: of course. Uh, it's it's weird. It's very weird. Uh, uh, in fact, on the on the wall behind my desk here at home, I have a cheat sheet of Xcode uh, uh, keystrokes. And, you know, of course, some I know off the top of my head, but some I don't. The thing that I find is the most frustrating is, especially if I'm bouncing between worlds a lot, oftentimes I'll get bitten by how to do a string literal. So I'll go into the .NET world and try to do at sign double quote, which you can sort of do, but it isn't exactly the way we usually do things in .NET. And then oftentimes in the Objective-C world, I forget the at sign, so then all of a sudden I have C strings all over the place, which is not at all what you want instead of NS strings. And it just silly things like that I find uh, I stumble on. The other thing that's hard is, I I don't know if if you guys know any really serious .NET developers, or perhaps one of you is, and I just didn't realize it, but we in the .NET world pretty much live and die by IntelliSense, which is to say in .NET, everything is basically dots. And so when you hit a a period in order to get to a property or a method on a class, you know, the little tooltip window pops up or whatever you'd like to call, it, and it has all of the things you can do in the context in which you're operating. So all the methods and properties on that class. Well, and it's a little bit more than sort of auto completion, isn't it? It's right, kind of exactly. Got- and in, in Xcode, it has something vaguely similar. If you hit Escape, or I believe that's right. I haven't been in Xcode in a couple months, but it's nowhere near as robust and nowhere near as well intelligent. And so uh, I talked, I think, on ATP early on that a colleague of mine who had never done Objective-C worked with me on this iPad project from a few months ago. And when he was going to try to accomplish things in Objective-C, I found him completely dumbfounded and lost because he kept looking for IntelliSense, if you will – and then when the, he when he was able to get the little pop up window to come up that says or the, that lets you you know do some modicum of auto completion it's nowhere near as good as visual studios and so because of that he was lost he like the idea of going to documentation to a normal .NET person is foreign your your source of record is intellisense and stack overflow mm. and that's that yeah. so it, i think it's the
0: intellisense shows documentation inline doesn't it as well as like showing yes. you all of the methods you can call mm-hmm. if you kind of mouse over or use your cursor up and down you can then see a little you know the basic documentation for each of those methods.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and it's really really nice. It really is. And whatever your you collective view, you, whatever your particular opinion on Microsoft is, they really do have some really nice developer tools. Now that said, mm-hmm. I actually do like Xcode, but there are certain things about Xcode like the lack of intellisense or the not as robust intellisense that that are very frustrating. Although it is it is getting better. Yeah. yeah.
3: I used to be a .NET developer, and I still think Visual Studio is better, especially because of IntelliSense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find in Xcode, even pushing escape, which is the right keystroke to get your auto complete to come up, half the time, it doesn't do anything, and you have to delete a few characters (laughs) and start typing them out again. Oh, there it is. And the other one is sort of delegate methods or protocol methods. I'm always having to look up the documentations to see which ones I have to go and put in. In Visual Studio, that's not really a problem. It just puts them in for you. Right. You just double-click, basically yeah it's, so, yeah
1: it's really nice, and it ma- it makes it easy to write a lot of code quickly, and so then you, of course, you get into the, the theological discussion as to whether or not having to write a lot of code quickly is good or bad, but the fact of the matter is it makes it easy to do it and and it's really nice its It seems clear to me that, that micro- Microsoft is dog fooding visual Studio, and one would assume that Apple is indeed dog fooding Xcode, but maybe it's just because the the community is so much smaller by comparison that it xcode hasn't advanced with the same frequency that I would say. Uh, Visual Studio has.
0: Yeah. It, 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 look, thinking back a few years, though, the last, I mean, since iOS has been released, Xcode has advanced and the language has advanced so much more quickly than it had in sort of the prior, oh, yeah. I guess, decade or so. Um, so it's kind of, you know, as someone I was been tinkering with Objective-C and Xcode for Project Builder before that, um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the recent uh, improvements sort of seem like a, a completely different pace but I still I can still see how it's got a ways to go. Um and I've I yeah as I said did a bit of Java and um still there are still things about Eclipse although you know as much as a a lot of people love to hate Eclipse and there's a lot to hate about it. Um there's actually <laughs> also a lot of features in Eclipse like refactoring. Eclipse makes it really really easy if you've um you know if you've declared a variable to then quickly encapsulate that as a with getters and setters around it um if you later realize that you should have done that or you know to pull out a method um Things like that, uh, renaming classes, renaming methods, and it will go through and find all the references and automatically rename them for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those sorts of things are missing from from Xcode.
2: You can do you can do some of that with Xcode. Xcode at least does the the part where it renames classes and and variables for you, as long as you use them correctly. Um, because you know how you know how you have the ability to have uh, to use methods with like the dot notation. Yeah. Um, if you use methods that way and they're not they're not actually set as properties or they won't be found by the refactoring
0: tool. right and what about um, when you're using response to selector does it find all of your descriptions no, it's of not it's not that and, smart yeah
2: no um, but it does it does do some of it so it is the the ability is there it's just not fully formed
0: i and guess i understand app code has better support for refactoring which it, is what... it does because
3: app code comes from intellij Right. Which yeah. is meant to be even better than Eclipse. And that's what I used when I did my Android stuff. And I thought it was pretty good, just slightly slow because I'm guessing it's written in Java. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
0: Same with Eclipse, right? Slightly yeah. slight. yep. It's
3: slightly slow. It's kind of laggy, but the features are all there.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, so it sounds like there is, you know, a real benefit to sort of looking at different technologies and moving between them. Do you ever feel that, um, you know, do you think there's a, one of the things we we're discussing in, Last episode was whether you can ever spread yourself too thin across you know a large variety of technologies and then never get to know them in any depth. Do you sort of feel that that's an issue for you, or are you basically got you know enough time with each of these technologies to sort of get into them?
1: No, you know it's an interesting question, and it professionally I've kind of wondered about myself: am I a expert on a very small number of things, or am I? Uh, I don't know if this translates uh, figuratively speaking to Australian or am I a joke to Jack of all trades and, and perhaps a very, very wide amount of knowledge, but not very deep amount of knowledge. And I've been doing C sharp long enough that I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call myself an expert, but I, if I'm not, I'm, I'm really, really close. And, and certainly there, there are frameworks within C sharp that maybe I'm not as familiar with. Like for example, I haven't done a lot of ASP.NET MVC, but in terms of the C sharp language, yeah, I'm pretty good. In terms of Objective-C, I'm I'm okay. I'm getting better every day, but I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means. And generally speaking, if I look at a piece of code, unless it's just completely wild, like I think looking through AF networking kind of made my brain dribble out my ears. But um, generally speaking, I can I can understand pretty quickly most pieces of Objective-C that I read. And so, but that being said, there was a time when I was really, really, really good at C++ and it wasn't that long ago, it was only maybe five, six years ago. And because I've let that muscle atrophy and I haven't written C in forever, I could probably barely even get out a hello world now. And so I, I don't is it a problem to have for for me anyway to have a, a little to spread my wings into many different uh worlds, if you will. I don't think it's a problem, but the the problem comes in that the more width or, or breadth I have of knowledge, the, the more I have to spread my time, and I'm the kind of person that if I don't practice, it gets, uh, I get really rusty really quickly. I don't know if you guys have that same experience or not. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely do.
3: Although every time you come back to it, you pick it up again slightly faster than the last time. Yeah,
1: that's, that's very true. I, I would say the same thing. and, and you know, I tend to write Objective-C and Cocoa and Cocoa Touch Code in spurts. And so I'll write a bunch for a month or two and then I'll just kind of put it aside because of whatever is going on. And then I'll come back. And just like you said, every time I come back, it gets a little quicker every time. And that mm. that is a nice feeling. Hey, um, speak, with your background, were you, you weren't tempted at all to uh, look at uh, MonoTouch? You know, it's an excellent question. Um, I looked at MonoTouch when it was an, almost brand new. And I was really, really impressed with it. I felt like uh in in my personal opinion the biggest compliment that a developer can give another developer is oh i thought i wrote that that was your code you know and i've said that to a few people before maybe it's a big project and it's a few months long and i forget what parts of that project i've done when and there's been times i've looked at a colleague and said wait didn't i write that and and this he or she will say no 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 no, that was me And, and To me, making that mistake is the biggest compliment in the world. Well, with that in mind, when I looked at Monotouch way early, I I looked at it and thought, you know what, if I was to put a .NET uh, facade on top of Objective-C and Cocoa Touch, it would look a lot like this. And so that's about as big a compliment as I can imagine. With that said, I've been meaning to look at Xamarin, which is, I guess, what Monotouch is being called now, or perhaps just being marketed as now. And uh, I actually exchanged a handful of emails with uh, Miguel, and I have a copy of it that I just haven't had the time to install yet. And so I really do want to dig into it and look at it a little bit closer, and see and see what I can glean from it and learn from it, and perhaps use because obviously what you can do in Monotouch within Reason you could probably use, do within Monodroid, and the th- the idea of having common business classes between two platforms is really appealing. And in the case of the company for which I work, were a group of .NET developers. And so if we had, hypothetically, a tremendous mobile project that was to come in, I know all of our guys and girls could learn, you know, either Java or Objective-C, but it would be really cool if they didn't have to, you know. Um, so that was a very long way of saying, no, I haven't really looked at it very much.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked at it either since that very first sort of early version, and I, too, was struck with how cool it seemed. Because they're quite like... um I actually really like the C sharp language. I think it's got a, oh, it's a nice modern language. It's got a lot of features. And I, there's part of, um, what I'll, you know, appeals with the dot net environment itself is that you can use multiple languages on the runtime.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and you know, the idea that there might be multiple languages you could use to write iOS apps kind of seems nice. And every time one comes along like monotouch or like Ruby motion, I'm tempted to sort of check it out. But the thing that um, Stops me from jumping right in is the idea that it, I think it's hard for those uh, sort of extra layers to keep up with the platform so sometimes if the Apple release you know new features and new language features and new frameworks and things that there's kind of sometimes a delay before they're available through the sort of intermediary layers absolutely I don't know if that's still a fair assessment or if it's moved on and they're keeping up.
1: Well, you know, I think it depends on which uh, third-party platform you're talking about. So, in the case of Monotouch, one of the things I liked so much about it was that it was as thin a layer as it could possibly be. And again, I haven't looked at it in a couple of years now. But the way uh, the way I had remembered it was that it, they basically had one for one equivalents to UIKit and 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 NS whatever classes that that. In C-sharp were just decorated with attributes, which is a lot of what I was talking about on that episode of ATP. Mm. And so what I'm driving at is that if a bunch of new classes get written or if classes get changed, in theory, it's very, very simple for them to envelop that into what's being in the next version of monotouch because it's not a lot of work. It's not like, say, a phone gap where you have a really thick translation or, or, or I, I can't think of a better word, but a translation layer between... Coco Touch and the code that you're writing, Monotouch is so thin, or Xamarin now is so thin that it seems like they're able to pick up new stuff very quickly. And I sort of vaguely keep track with what's going on with them, and I've seen some updates about what's what the, how they're making progress on iOS 7 updates. And so it certainly seems like in the case of Monotouch, it's pretty it's pretty agile. Whereas I would argue that you're absolutely right for a lot of these other platforms, especially platforms that try to be all things to all people, it's not as nice. And, and it scares me, the bejesus out of me, the thought of having to trust my app or perhaps my client's app to some third party upon which I have no leverage and no control.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But it sounds like um, the, the MonoTouch might be worth revisiting at some point. I'd have to put on my list of things to look into when I find more time.
1: Uh, exact, and that's exactly where I'm at. I absolutely am, am champing at the bit, trying to find the time to look at it. I just haven't had it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: suppose that's the challenge of trying
0: to fit in, you know, different day jobs and evening interests and podcasting <laughs> as well. How, <laughs> exactly. How do, you, how do you balance all of that, especially with the podcasting? Do you find that it fills up a lot of the time?
1: You know, it's funny you say that. Um, uh, My wife and I do not have any children yet. And so I feel like any time I complain about not having time, any parent across the entire planet is like, oh, God, really, this guy? So (laughs) I shouldn't really whine. uh, But I I feel like I just just feel, I guess it's self-created, but I don't feel like I have an overabundance of time. I've been able to manage what I've got so far. One of the great things about both neutral and ATP is that kind of one of our core tenets, if you will, is that we don't plan for it. The most we've got is a Google Docs document with a series of bullet points. And as I've I've said it, one or two places in the past, a lot of times if I'm kind of, if if I become the de facto quarterback of an episode, which happens more often than not, uh, oh, quarterback is an American football thing. If I'm like the ringleader of an episode. um, Actually, our
0: our podcast, the very first episode opened with a discussion about uh, that strange game. Um, oh, one yeah. of our, our first hosts was himself an American and um, tried to explain it to us. Still don't understand.
3: Well, I understand you, it. I quite
1: enjoy playing Madden. Yeah. No, see, there you go. See, <laughs> we're, we're we're crossing the we're crossing the bridge. We're bonding. Uh, but you try to get me to to understand rugby or cricket, and I'm completely lost. So it we're you. It's all right.
2: I don't. I don't understand them
1: either. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So anyway. So the point with the point I was driving at is because we don't prep a whole lot. You know, the most I'll do is maybe maybe look at the Google Docs document and make sure that I've read any of the links that are in it, and that's about it. And so because of that, it makes the time commitment not not too big, and and that's important to all three of us because John and Marco both have children. Uh, John and Marco both burned out of what were extremely excellent and successful podcasts. And I mean, for me, this is my first time and I'm having a blast. And so it's in my best interest to prevent them from, from getting burnt out. And so that's why a lot of times if I'm, if I'm quarterbacking or, or ring leading an episode, I'll sometimes I'll go completely off, off the script, so to speak, in the sense that I'll, I'll just come up with a topic that's not on the Google docs document at all. And, and that keeps everyone on our toes. And I'm not the only one that does that, but, but certainly that keeps us on our toes. And, and when we know that doing a whole lot of prep may be Worthless anyway, it kind of encourages us not to do a whole lot of prep, and that works out well.
0: Yeah. And as someone who enjoys listening, I think that, it, you know, the conversations are always sort of um, compelling, interesting, topical.
1: It's hard because, especially with Hypercritical, John did such a phenomenal job of over preparing for everything and sometimes they all look at itunes reviews and and i'll see people see people begrudging the fact that that john occasionally makes a mistake because believe it or not he is indeed human and and you know marco i I adore marco both on a professional and a friendly level but certainly he's opinionated and so sometimes you know you'll see people grumbling about that but by and large i really think that just like the three of you guys I, i think the three of us have a decent chemistry and and even though we may not get everything right, usually one of the three of us, if not all three of us, have something interesting to say. So, it works.
0: Yeah. And um, speaking of Marco's opinions, one of the things I enjoy most about the podcast is being able to argue loudly with him in my head.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the <laughs> so nice I think thing. Having
0: someone that's opinionated doesn't necessarily hurt. In yeah. Terms of it's it's an enjoyable agree. experience to hear someone's opinions and go, no,
1: I completely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the nice thing about being one of the three is that sometimes you get to say that. It, right there, right then and there. Um, but it, it, it's it been working out really well. We'll see how long it lasts. I mean, that's not, I'm not trying to imply anything. I just, I'm not trying to count my chickens either. And we're having fun right now. And when one or all of us stop having fun, then it'll be done and that'll be that. Sounds like a good approach. So to kind of bring
2: it back to, uh, you know, mobile development, um, is there, do, do you feel like there is anything uh, within your, uh, techniques for working with things like objective c that that you think uh you bring from um, from your other development like do you have any any tools any kind of uh specific techniques that you think that you use that you don't really see anywhere
1: else i know i wouldn't say that i i'm unique in any particular way i mean i 'm just a regular schmo like like anyone else um i, I guess uh, it it just having a background in a different language especially if if objective c is kind of like if we call, if you're a student in one of our local schools, and English isn't your first language, oftentimes you'll take a class called English as a second language, and so that's kind right. of what Objective C is for me. It's 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 programming as a second language, if you will. And so because of that, I tend to think of things very differently, and sometimes that's great, and sometimes it's not. So an example of when it's not great is is when I look at what is sometimes I think an overblown class hierarchy to take care of something that really shouldn't be that difficult. And I get very frustrated by it. Like when I was doing date programming for the first time, I was talking about this a little while ago on ATP when I was doing date programming, which as I've learned, as I've gotten more mature as a developer date programming always sucks, no matter what you do about it. But yeah, in generally speaking in.net, you have uh, you have a date time class and that does 99% of what you need. Whereas in Objective C, you have or in COCO, you have a zillion different classes to ca- take care of everything, and so sometimes coming from what is arguably a simpler background, that, that can get very frustrating because it seems tedious, it seems unnecessary. In other ways, I would argue sometimes it's pretty good. Like like I said before, uh, everyone moving towards uh, using blocks, syntax and blocks as uh, in many cases a replacement for uh, delegates and protocols. Uh, that that I've embraced very easily and is second nature to me. And so oftentimes I will choose to to write an interface in terms of blocks rather than delegates and protocols. Now, to argue with myself for a moment, though, sometimes that bites me in the butt because just because I'm used to that and just because I think it's the right way of doing things, arguably the really right way to do things is the way that everyone around you is used to. And even if you have good reasons, good ac- academical reasons for saying that your way is better. Again, as I've gotten older, I've realized sometimes the familiar way is the best way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting with the specific issue of blocks versus sort of protocols and delegates with that point of what feels familiar and right, because it feels like it's in a point of kind of flux or change, that a mm-hmm. lot of the kind of early um, Apple frameworks are still sort of delegate-based, but then a lot of the newer ones, they they do seem to be more block-based. Yeah, So absolutely. It kind of it doesn't kind of an open question as to which is the sort of natural fit for the language at the moment. I think probably more and more block based.
1: Yeah. And that seems to be what I, what I feel is easier and better because it just seems like less overhead. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't need to implement a protocol or perhaps have a whole nother class implementing a protocol just to get a couple of callbacks. I should just be able to throw that stuff in line and be done with it. And so mm. to me, it seems far less tedious to do something blocks based rather than delegate and protocols. But But certainly there's trade-offs, and uh, I don't remember if he covered this specifically, but uh, Matt Gemmel wrote a really, really, really good post, probably a year or two now, about how to do API design, and if this isn't covered in that, I'd be surprised, but... But that's something I've been working with as a, as I've gotten older is, you know, how do I write a really robust and good API? And one of my favorite things to do as a developer is take a really crummy API and put a beautiful facade around it. You know, wrap it up like a present, put a bow on it and say to my peers, here you go. I've made this really ugly thing really simple. You're welcome. And, and you know, decisions like blocks versus delegates versus uh, protocols, you know, those sorts of decisions those are the kinds of things that are very nerdy, but I really enjoy. And and I w- went to university or college, as we call it, as as an engineer. And those are engineering decisions. And so those are the things I enjoy most.
0: Yeah. Hey, in terms of um other areas in Objective C that feel more cumbersome and painful compared to with what you're familiar with in .dot net. Did you have you done much in .dot net with um? Is it called Link?
1: Oh uh, yes. Oh, you don't want to get me started on this because you'll <laughs> well, never have a chance to talk again.
0: So I'm just interested because um. <laughs> you know the way of querying core data is to me feels a little heavy because you've got to do construct your predicates and you join them together and have sort orderings and um you know it, sort of it seems like a really a lot of methods and classes are needed to basically create a query that could be very simply expressed in an sql like syntax um well, yeah and it seems to me that link is a really good solution to that but having just read about it and heard people talk about it I'd be interested to sort of know what it's like to use and in terms of do you know of any way of simplifying core data querying on iOS that's more Link-inspired?
1: It's it's a very interesting question. And actually, I'm surprised I haven't already lamented this tonight. Uh, Link is one of those things that I miss most dearly about C Sharp. So Link, for those who don't know, is L-I-N-Q, Language Integrated Query. And it's actually a two-headed monster. So the way Link works is uh, what C Sharp calls extension methods and are most roughly equivalent to categories in Objective C. And so on all of the classes like the C sharp equivalent of NS array, of uh, NS dictionary, and things like that, link adds categories, if you will, or extension methods that let you do really wild and crazy stuff. Now, the reason it's a two headed monster is there are two different ways to write link queries. One of them, just like you mentioned, is a very SQL esque Syntax. So, write uh, your line of code can be, you know, some dictionary equals from i in blah where some test sort, or I think it's order by some, you know, determine some uh, predicate uh, and then turn that into an array. And so you can do that all in SQL like syntax and it's unbelievably awesome. But you can also do that by chaining a series of methods together. So you could say instead, you know, where, and then you provide it a lambda method or a closure. Uh, so where, I don't know, age is greater than 21, because that's how old you have to be to drink here, because we're barbaric. Uh, you know, so, you know, where age is greater than 21, order by last name, turn it into an array. And so you can do that as a chain series of method calls. And it's, it's really hard, I'm probably not doing a great job of describing it verbally, but if... If any of you guys or your listeners would like a homework assignment, you should at least take a quick glance at Link. And it makes querying anything extremely easy. And so I use Link against objects constantly. It doesn't just relate to databases. So, as I was inferring or implying a moment ago, you can use Link against objects. So, if I have a dictionary or if I have a, a list or an array, if you will, I can write a link query against that in no time and get something back immediately. And, it get, and what it's great about doing is getting the nitty gritty of the language out of the way. You don't have mm. to worry about NS predicate, if you will. You don't have to worry about, all right, well, how do I form this NS predicate? And what order do I have to do this in? And is this really what I want? And what, if I want to do an NS predicate by, by typing a string, what the crap is the syntax for that? I barely remember. And it's just, it's very natural, I guess, in summary, it's very, very natural. And I really miss that. In objective c and i actually wrote and i think it's a gist on github a really crummy implementation that is ns predicate based but i found recently and you'll have to remind me to send it to you guys a really what appeared to be a really nice implementation that somebody else had written all in objective c that provides this method chaining that's very similar if i'm not mistaken so uh, if i don't give that to you after the show remind me and you can put it in the show notes but it's really powerful and really nice
3: Sounds amazing. I can never remember how to write an NS predicate.
0: I have to look it up every single right, time. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there are there's similar um, APIs in Cocoa for querying object. Like um, NS array has filter array or right. filtered array with predicate or filtered mm-hmm. array or sort with comparator where you um, can we, And there is a block based version where you get like a, write a comparator block.
3: Yeah, using enumerate array using block. I yeah.
0: And there's also sort of filter. Uh, sort with comparator or something as well.
3: And the other ones that are good are the key value coding, so you can get the max date in an array of complex objects yeah. but just but through a key value coding path.
0: Sort of the combination of all of these still seems to fall way yeah, short. Yeah, it's still what, short. And the thing that impressed me with Link when I heard about it was um, even that SQL-like syntax you described. I understand is compile time checked, so it's not like a, a string oh, yeah. literal, like the um, you know the string version of creating a compare. Uh, sorry, a predicate. Um, it's you know still a, a language feature that the compiler can actually check for you.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right, and and it is extremely powerful. And it, you get into these very uh, pedantic arguments between .NET developers as to whether the SQL like syntax is better or this chained method syntax is better. But one way or another, what's what's really powerful is if you're any even moderately competent programmer you're going to know exactly what's going on very quickly and ns predicate syntax is relatively easy to understand but just like you guys were saying it's impossible to write or at least it is for me and whereas link i can fire through link queries like it's nothing it's it's very easy
0: yeah i hope that there are you know people i'm sure that there are people working on the kind of language and framework internals at apple that that do expose themselves to these different technologies and you know back when i was doing server side uh, uh, java development i was actually using web objects um and whilst wait
1: Apple's you're one version- of the five people that actually know web objects <laughs>
0: yeah i know it's crazy isn't it uh but sort of long after apple stopped active de- actively developing the framework there was sort of a pretty um active community of users that the few users that were continuing to use it were actively contributing to sort of improving the frameworks um, and a lot of the sort of core work was being done by people who had spent a lot of time with Ruby on Rails and things like that. Um, and it was kind of really nice. It was really refreshing to sort of see uh, a platform continue to evolve. Um, but bring in features and ideas from, from other languages and frameworks. Um, and it's the sort of thing that, you know, I think we're seeing bits of in Objective-C. Um, but again, it largely seems to be done by sort of the community of users as opposed to Apple themselves. Um, and I suppose that makes sense that, it, that, what we expect from Apple is that the frameworks will stay true to their sort of um, their own identity, uh, but maybe slowly evolve to kind of bring in features from elsewhere.
1: Yeah, and and every time you know I've been to WWDC the last three years, and every time they make little strides, but important strides. You know, blocks was, is a great example of one of those. Um, that was well, maybe not so little, but important. Uh, I will never forget. I don't remember what year it was. But when they when they made mention of the fact that when you type NSS, you'll get um, NS string by default now instead of what was it NS set or something else? NS stream, I think
0: stream it was.
1: Whatever, yeah. But in other words, they're going. They've they've told Xcode no, really, you you need NS uh, NS string. And granted, I'm now talking more about the IDE than the language, but they are making strides. But you know, John Syracuse has talked ad nauseum about how Objective C is in an interesting spot because by many people's metrics, it's not a modern language and Apple arguably should replace it. But even though I adore C sharp, in my opinion, I don't know. I can't think of a language that I would recommend as better. And you could easily argue that Apple has done so well, especially on mobile or mobile platforms with objective C because it isn't a garbage collected, um, you know, just in time compilation, Well, not, maybe not just in time compilation, but it's not a garbage collected virtual machine run language. Mm. It's raw, and that's sometimes painful as a developer, but it's also extremely powerful too.
0: Yeah. Hey, something we haven't touched on. I just realized. Speaking of um, how Apple's taken their language to mobile with great success, um, do you are you familiar much with uh, Windows Mobile and and the Uh, technologies you'd use to develop those apps. It's something that sort of very rarely sort of looked at and haven't looked at in much depth, but do they offer dot net based, um, set of APIs or is it mostly HTML, CSS, JavaScript?
1: No, you know, I haven't looked into it much because, candidly, I just don't have a whole lot of interest in it. Uh, but uh, they do have .NET and I believe even C++ APIs, although uh, uh, if I'm wrong, don't email me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have they have C Sharp APIs. And if I recall correctly, the, um, the user interface is, gosh, it's all XML based. I want to say it's XAML, but I might have that wrong. Again, I've barely looked into it. But so it's kind of, sort of a more direct equivalent, perhaps, to Android and the way Android is held together, right. than it is than it is um, Cocoa Touch. But I, I haven't had a chance to play with it, and the idea of having most of the things that I use day to day available, like Link, as a silly example, is really appealing. But I don't have any. De- I don't have any Windows Phone devices. I- I'm not convinced any human does, and so.
0: <laughs> yeah. so I think that's probably why. Um, yeah, I haven't looked at it much either. Is it seems like an interesting platform, and I would love to have a reason to um, pay more attention to it. But it's really hard to justify the time when exactly. there, there really aren't that many people using it.
3: Yeah, I completely. Yeah, I want, agree. I wanted to get back into Visual Studio, and but I just can't justify it. I, I open the page developer dot microsoft dot com or whatever. It is, isn't <laughs> That's as far as I went, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know, I, I can't blame you. It, 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 Visual Studio is nice. C Sharp is a great language. But in the end of the day, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're not going to do it or you're not going to do it well. And so, you know, I have a couple of friends that have been um, propositioning me with with app ideas. And some of them I don't think are bad, but I know myself enough to know that if I'm not passionate about it, if it's not scratching an itch that I want to scratch for myself – I'm just going to phone it in and that's not fair to my friends and it's not fair to me and so I don't blame you for going to developer.microsoft.com and just going meh maybe not
3: because the Google one whatever that one is their just documentation and descriptions of how to make your apps and stuff is really good they're putting a lot of effort into trying to get developers to go oh Android it's actually not that bad I just didn't get the same feeling from the, the Microsoft one when I went there
0: although still still more pretty than Apple's one Just <laughs> horrible but anyway, hey, hey I'm not going to complain ever again about Apple's developer site now that it's running again. Yeah, true. seriously. at least it's running.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to me- you don't want to mess with In anything. Fact, I don't
0: even know if it's completely up. One of my clients at the moment, um, I've given them a task of uh, sign up for a developer account so we'll be able to submit your app when it's finished. And uh, they haven't been able to do it yet because really? the, the enrollment is one of the sections that's still not, which is um. You know, it's been down for almost four weeks now.
3: Well, I think I saw Marco tweet this morning that documentation downloading is finally
0: back. Oh right, maybe enrollment's back up as well. Yeah. I just have to check.
1: It's been it's been rough and interesting. And I, I man, I feel so badly for, for the team that's have to deal that's having to deal with all this. It's gotta have been a rough couple of weeks. The worst.
0: <laughs> they probably haven't <laughs> slept once. It's the sort it's of thing that you'd not. really like to hear the actual story behind one day.
2: Do you reckon we ever will?
0: No, oh, <laughs> it's, goodness, it's yeah. Apple.
2: We, we'll never hear anything other than what we've already heard. I think.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Which is too bad. And you know what? With um, underscore David Smith's recent feed wrangler woes from a day or two ago, um, and he was very transparent about it. And in, and in fact, just before I listened to, or before I started the podcast with you guys, I was listening to Developing Perspective, where he talked about it very, very candidly. And it's very refreshing and very awesome to be able to hear that. And I agree with you guys, the likelihood of Apple saying anything other than something happened and we fixed it is slim
0: yeah it's and it's not just Apple. actually, I often read in the sort of mainstream media about you know i t projects' gone bad, you know some government agency has spent millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars on a system that has failed, and that you know a bank or bank systems have been offline for two days and I always wish that as as you know a developer myself, I kind of wish that there was a developer's version of all of those news stories, like maybe a blog that told you the really you know, really nitty gritty details of exactly um you know what failed and why did it go wrong and you know what was the security problem um but i don't think we're ever going to hear any of them
2: would you class would you class the recent news about e-tax for mac as as something that you'd be interested in reading
0: <laughs> yes yes i want to hear the details this sorry
2: is... casey you won't you won't get that yeah I was uh, for your my context
0: head. this is um uh tax office um has For years had uh, desktop software you could use to prepare and lodge your tax returns. It's called eTax. And it was only ever available on Windows. Um, And there was recently a multi-million dollar project to do a Mac app, uh, which they released. And on day one, they hadn't signed the app. So if you wanted to install it on the latest Mac OS, you'd warn you that it might, you know, you mightn't be able to trust it. Yeah.
1: Oh, sounds lovely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those, those huge projects. Um, but I, having been myself responsible for, I, I was, um, I think responsible for a, the longest outage in the BBC news website's history. Wow. It was down for six hours because of something that I did. Um, I can kind of understand why the stories don't always come out.
3: Are you going tell
2: us?
1: Yeah. This I, is now, your chance. <laughs> if, if <laughs> you just, can come clean. It, it is my chance. This. I know.
0: <laughs> but I still don't know if I feel ready to talk about it. It was that traumatic.
1: Well, you guys are all in the same room together, right? You can just give them a hug. Uh, yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. be okay.
2: You sound like you need a hug, <laughs> uh,
0: dear. It was a, a a perfect storm of events of one thing leading to another, leading to another. But I think it all began with a, a SQL script I was writing. So to automate the deployment of some changes. Um, and I may have used a, vari- happened to choose a variable name in my SQL that coincided with a column name that already existed.
1: Ooh. And Oops. so
0: my delete from where something <laughs> equals something ended up evaluating to delete from something where true wow. where column name equals column name. Hmm.
2: So you inadvertently... Dropped did a table. Like, yeah. Nice. Nice. My SQL bad. injection hack without actually trying to be hacking it. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, oh, the, the
1: bummer about that, though, all kidding aside, and like you guys were saying, it's too bad we never hear about this, is that... You know, we're all human, and in, in some way or another, every, any one of us and every one of us is, a, is an idiot, and, either, you know, and everyone has a bad day. And it would be cool if Apple could say, all right, now that it's all over and it's fixed, here's what happened, and here's what we learned from it, and here's what you could learn from it. Because we're yeah. all in this together in one capacity or another, and it would be cool to be able to learn from others' mistakes.
0: And I tell you what, that day uh, was probably the, one of the days I learned the most. My development career is—you mm-hmm. certainly do learn when the, you know, the stakes are high, and you go back and forensically analyze exactly what happened, yeah. Won't make that mistake again. So it'd be really interesting to hear, as you say, what, what happened. Uh, although it might be the sort of thing we'd have to hear from engineers over beers at WWDC. <laughs>
1: exactly. <than. laughs> now, have you guys been to WWDC? Yeah, I was there. I saw you there. Well, you should. I walked.
3: I walked past with someone, and he went, "Hi, Casey." He was walking into um. Oh, one of the Presidio ones. Oh, okay. Well, so I did, I did see you in the distance.
1: Oh, well, fair enough. Now, does that take like three and a half years for you guys to get out there? Well, I guess San Francisco's <laughs> yeah, on the right side. It really side. does.
0: <laughs> it does. No, it takes, eight, it takes what, 24 or 30 hours? Uh, I remember standing in the airport waiting
3: for my bags and it ticked over to 24.
0: Oh, that's Which terrible. is long. Which also explains, I, I've been about, I think about five times, but not since my, uh, my boy was born and that's, he's two now. So yeah, it, it makes it harder to, to do those long distance trips.
1: Yeah, I guess I shouldn't complain about having to fly across the country, huh? Cuz no. man, those those yeah, 5 or not. 6 hours, they're tough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not even
3: halfway. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's like a
2: third of the distance of the trip. <laughs> yeah. oh, and that's God. assuming that you don't uh that's assuming that you don't land in like LAX or something and yeah. fly so the, to San Francisco. Yeah, so the the
0: long haul flight bit, I could kind of cope with one long flight. The yeah. thing that is just completely soul destroying is <laughs> all of the dist- little connections so we're we're in um canberra here and before we can leave the country we probably go to canberra sydney wait around for hours and then eventually do a sydney probably lax and then wait around for hours and then transfer to another and that last little short flight and that kind of hour you're sitting around in the airport waiting yeah. for oh, it yeah, it's it's just is the worst
3: yeah at least we're on the right side of the country but russell from shifty jelly i traveled with him to dub dub and he did Adelaide, Melbourne, Melbourne, Auckland, Auckland, San Francisco, and he'd been going for a, a lot longer than what I had. So. That
1: sounds positively terrible. And the other <laughs> the, and the other awful thing is, you know, I know that even though I love the country from from where I was born, I love the country, I love America, but we are the worst with letting other people into our country. Like every time I fly overseas and then come back to the states, I look at this line for customs that's about eleven it's million ridiculous. miles long. And it's a miracle that any of you ever bother coming here because it's, well, it's the rudest entry ever. It's like, oh, hey, welcome to America. Wait in line.
3: I, um, the second time I went to America, I got rejected at that front place and they sent me to the back room. What? So, yeah. And it was because I'd only traveled a few months before that. And the first time I went, I stayed in a hotel. And the second time I was going that time, I was staying at someone's house. Terrorist. That's what I got from that. Uh, uh,
1: Clearly, there is no other explanation.
3: Yeah, exactly. But in saying that, when I got to the back room, the guy in there was actually really nice and was like, oh, don't worry, we'll sort this out. Oh, that's good. Maybe 10 minutes later, I was accepted into the country.
0: And believe it or not, I'm sure it's not a uniquely US problem. I've I've heard pretty similar stories of people wanting to visit Australia.
3: Actually, yeah, the line to get in for non-Australians is pretty long here too.
1: Well, you yeah, know, I'd love to visit you guys, but just like you said, it takes an eternity to get there. And I'm on the wrong side of the States. So, regardless of which side of Australia I want to go to, it, I have to go all the way to the other side of, the, of our country. And then I got to fly across, you know, three gazillion miles of the Pacific Ocean. It's just terrible. Like for I'm you guys gonna, to get to New York, I, I can only imagine.
3: Yeah, well, I'm doing that at the end of the year. So, and I've done it before. It's
0: a long, yeah. a long trip. It is. You want to stay for a while once you're there. You really not, not do. sort of thing you do for a day trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Certainly
1: not. <laughs> Certainly not. You, no, I'm sorry. You, I keep
2: derailing you guys. It's all right. It's not a problem. We're coming to the end anyway.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a really interesting conversation. I don't. I don't know that I've got anything else to add. Yeah, I, I
2: have. I have one other question that I would, I'd like to ask. Um, so the so we, we've we've talked a little bit about things like link and how you'd like you'd like to see something like that in um, in Objective C. Is there anything else that you'd you'd uh you'd be interested in uh in seeing? Like, have you got any fantasy features from other languages that you'd like to see in things like Objective C?
1: You know, that's a really good question. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's it's nice because, especially what with closures being a trendy thing now. Like I said earlier, I, I think closures are the greatest thing in the world, and and so since everyone seems to be embracing closures, even though like the syntax in objective c block syntax is just woefully terribly terrible and awful. By and large, you can get through that. And and so closures being around is nice. I was lamenting in uh, in a recent ATP about reflection and or mm. introspection and having better support for that would be really powerful and and I'm not going to go into the song and dance about why that is, but being being able to write code or to to have your code look at itself for information and for metadata is very powerful and very and very cool Um, what i'm thinking of i'm trying to think of anything that i would really appreciate going the other direction from from ios into c sharp and i'm sure there's something but um i can't think of anything off the top of my head i guess dynamic or quasi-dynamic typing would be kind of cool and c sharp kind of has it but um you know some of the things some of the things about objective c and i guess objective c being closer to the metal is really powerful so like being able to to do associative associated objects which i mean you can arguably do similar things in in c sharp but there's a lot of stuff that i like method swizzling is another great example which i've only barely played with but the fact that you can do that blows my mind and when it kind of frightens
0: me actually yeah it it scares
1: it scares the pants off or what wait does pants mean what it does in britain to you guys it scares the trousers off me. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so anyway, but the point is, you know, being able to do some of that close to the metal stuff in Objective-C, it would be nice if I could do that in C-sharp, but on the other side of the coin, you know, I don't really need to, so that's kind of cool, too. You know, it's everything's a give and take.
0: Yeah. I kind of think the um, going in the other direction, the thing I would want to take with me is the frameworks, not so much the language and the language features, but the APIs, um, you know, UI Kit and core animation. Oh,
1: that's true. Core animation all of that is a very sort of good stuff. call.
0: So kind of it, it in my dream world sometimes uh I, I think imagine if you could pick your the best language out there and pick the best set of frameworks which I think is uh, the iOS frameworks um and combine them. But uh yeah. As we've all discussed, I'm not sure Apple's ready to do that and I think seems like their strategy is to incrementally improve Objective C and so far they've been doing a decent job of that. So
1: And it's so been they're working. They're doing a pretty good job, yeah. Hmm. Oh, we'll see. We'll see what the future brings. You know, and it's too bad because a lot of us, myself included, were really stoked and excited for some big language advancements at this year's Objective C, and and I would argue, without breaking NDA, that we didn't get a lot of that. Um, and so I'm kind of hopeful for next year. You know, like when ARC, for example, a couple years ago, when ARC happened. That completely melt, melted my brain and blew my mind, and it's an arc is extremely powerful, and I'm I'm kind of anxious and ready for the next. I'm just like everyone's ready for the Apple TV or whatever the next big hardware thing is. I'm a big enough nerd that I want to see what the next big language thing is, and I'm hoping that at this upcoming WWDC, maybe we'll get we'll get some of that.
0: Yeah, I think certainly since they switched from using uh, GCC to using LLVM as the compiler, um, they've been able to move the language forward a lot quicker. And as I understand it, a lot of the stuff, the kind of modern Objective-C things like, um, being able to have a dictionary and array literals and, um, subscripting indexing of, of collections. Um, a lot of that was actually in the LLVM sort of, uh, latest releases before Apple actually publicly announced it. It was. Mm-hmm. So in terms of keeping up to, you know, see where the future of the language is, um, I think you can quite easily sort of compile a version of LLVM from kind of the head, um, sort of, Development branch, uh, and then swap which compilers used when you're writing code in Xcode. So you could, you, I know that you were able to start using those features ahead of when Apple sort of included them in Xcode. So it might be the same going forward as well.
3: Yeah, I remember that State of the Union because I was like, I've known about this for months. Why is everyone so excited? See, I'd, I'd heard
0: about it, but I'm not brave enough to actually use the kind of bleeding edge. i have never of the tried compiler. it, but I just read lots of
3: articles in and- it. Yeah. But, yeah, State of the Union is more exciting than the official keynote. That's what I think.
0: I'm still plowing my way through those videos. It doesn't help that they were down for so long. <laughs> yeah. But one time I finally found I had, a, like, an evening to myself. You know, kid was in bed. I think my wife was out somewhere. And I'm like, excellent. I'm going to kick back and watch a couple of WWDC videos. Oh, developer site down.
1: <laughs> oh, that's such a buzzkill. Terrible. I had
0: to, I had to render film instead.
1: Oh, well. Oh. You know, it's a tough life we lead, gentlemen. <laughs> it is Indeed. <laughs> And, and perhaps with that, say thank you once again for joining us. Well, thank you. No, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, and like I said, I feel like I've been tra- time traveling this entire time because it's Thursday here and Friday where you guys are. And, and that's just weird. But hmm. hopefully you'll leave Friday in a good state by the time I get there.
0: Yeah, we'll try not to completely destroy it.
1: <laughs> no, seriously though, thank you so very much, you guys. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, I, I really appreciate it. And we'll have to do this again sometime if you ever let me back.
2: So if pe- if people want to uh, want to get in touch with you at all, Casey, uh, what's the best way that they can do that?
1: Uh, probably the best would be Twitter. I'm at Casey Liss, which is extremely uninventive. Um, I'm also on App.net as at Liss. Um, every like six months or so, I will write something on my extremely neglected blog, which is. Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R.caseylist.com. Uh, and then certainly if you wanted to listen to my podcast, uh, that's ATP.fm for Accidental Tech Pro- Podcast.
2: So if you, guys would, uh, if you guys want to read any of the stuff that uh, we've talked about in this particular episode, uh, any of the stuff that Casey mentioned, you can do that. We have a website. Uh, all you need to do is go to mobilecouch.co forward slash 15. I'm getting nods. Fifteen. It is 15. I, I always forget. Uh, you can also get in touch with us. Uh, we have a web form that you can go and you can fill out, which sends us an email, which is at mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. The podcast is also on Twitter and app.net. It's uh, on Twitter, it's underscore mobile couch and on app.net, it's just straight mobile couch. And if you want to talk to us individually, you can do that as well. Uh, Jake is J-McMullen, J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Ben is Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am at Jelly Bean Soup or Jelly on app.net. Thanks guys for listening. It's been amazing. We've, uh, we've had a great time and, uh, we look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Bye. See ya. See ya.